morning. It's been uh, wonderful to be a part of the Maranatha family for coming up on about four months now. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to continue to be a part of this body and, and today to open up the word with all of you here, especially in light of who we're celebrating uh, today. Happy Mother's Day uh, to our mothers. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a special day to, to remember our mothers. And like Pastor Andrew said, in this case, my grandmother, who's here with us today. Uh, as you know, a few weeks ago, we started in Luke 5, uh, continuing our series through the book in Luke. Um, and throughout these next few chapters, Luke 5 through about 10, our, our theme for this section has been this idea of, of follow me, which is a command that, that Jesus gives at several points throughout those chapters. And so as we take a, a pause on, on that series and, and focus more specifically on Mother's Day today, I, I want to start by asking each one of us this question, have you committed to following Jesus with your life? Have you obeyed that command? Are you still following Jesus today? And if the answer is yes, then we can all praise God. But I want us to think through, uh, for you, who is that person who first introduced you to Jesus? Who are some of the people that God has used uh, throughout your life uh, to draw you closer to himself? I think for a lot of us, if, if we think about some of those important people in our lives, we'll go back to our mothers. I know that's, that's true of me. And as we look at our passage in, in 2 Timothy 1 today, one of the things we're, we'll see is, is that we're going to be talking about four different people. We'll be talking about the Apostle Paul. We'll be talking about Timothy, who's receiving this letter from Paul. But we're also going to be talking about Lois and Eunice. Now, probably for most of us, those, those first two names are, are very familiar. The Apostle Paul and, and Timothy, his son in the faith. But probably we're not as aware of, of who Lois and Eunice are. But what we're going to see today is, is that Lois and Eunice had a deep impact in Timothy's life and his eventual, eventual call to, to serve God with his life. Most likely, Lois and Eunice uh, were faithful Jews. They received the Old Testament scriptures that talk about the hope for a Messiah, and they passed that along to Timothy from a young age. And then we know Paul, or, or Saul, he also received these scriptures but initially rejected that Jesus was the Messiah until one day the risen Lord Jesus comes, addresses him, and basically says, Paul, you're going to follow me. And we think that on his first missionary journey, he probably met Lois and Eunice and shared that, that the Messiah that they had been waiting for based on the Old Testament was, in fact, Jesus. And so we see that, that Lois and Eunice shared about the scriptures to Timothy, and Timothy also recognized this Messiah in the Old Testament is Jesus, and I'm going to follow Jesus. And so today, as we spend time looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, the main idea for our message is, is going to be that we should gratefully receive and boldly pass along the gospel message. We gratefully receive, and then we pass along the true 
gospel message. And we're kind of looking at this from the perspective of of Timothy because he is the one receiving this letter, and he is the one who initially received the gospel message through the scriptures and, and through the faithful ministry of his mother and grandmother. And then in the second part of our passage, we'll see how Paul commands him to pass this along, live a life where you're not only receiving the gospel message, but passing this along. So let's look at that, that first part, gratefully receive the gospel message. And we see this in, in verses 3 through 7. When Pastor Andrew was reading, did you, did you catch in verse 5 where Paul mentions uh, the faith that Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice had passed down to him? We see, this is where we start to see this, this heritage of, of passing down this faith. But we want to recognize it's not just faith in anything and in any object, but specifically it is a faith in the scriptures that reveal who the Christ is. If we were to go on a few chapters later in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Paul writes to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, Lois and Eunice, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. And then this familiar verse to many of us, all scripture is breathed out by God. But we see this emphasis on a faith in the word, the scriptures, the holy writings. And and this has been passed along from generation to generation. God spoke through Moses and it was written down and passed along to the Israelites through generation generation. Paul, Saul, inherits this. Lois and Eunice inherit these scriptures that talk about the Christ. And then the person of Jesus comes on the scene, and they realize this is him. Jesus is the Christ. And in our our passage in in verse 3, for example, we see that Paul talks about how he's serving God as his ancestors did. And Paul realized that if he was going to continually continue following the God of the Old Testament, that would involve recognizing that, that Jesus is this Messiah. And then he passes that along to Lois and Eunice and Timothy. And, and so we see this chain, this, this receiving the gospel message in the scriptures and, and then passing it along. And note that this isn't done begrudgingly. But how does Paul talk about this in verse 3? He, he, he's thankful. I thank my God that, that I have had the privilege of, of knowing this message and being involved in your life, Timothy, and being able to pass this on. Do we, those of us who have committed to follow Christ, are, are we thankful night and day that he has saved us and allowed us to be involved in this mission, to pass along, to be disciples, and, and to disciple other people. Paul's mention of, of Lois and Eunice was one of the reasons that I was excited to, to teach this passage today on Mother's Day. I was talking to someone, uh, Alex, earlier this week, and, and he said something along the lines of how mothers are often the front line of evangelism and discipleship 
here in the church. And many of us could probably attest to that fact. Mothers, grandmothers, you have many vital responsibilities, many roles, but what role is is more important than receiving this faith yourself and, and passing it along to those whom God has entrusted in your care? doing all that you can to to point to the scriptures that speak of Christ, and then trusting God that he's the one that does the work in the hearts of individuals. Children around the room, teenagers, many of you are, are here because your parents have been doing this. They've been bringing you here. They've been teaching you the word, and our response is, is to greatly gratefully receive that and, and to pass that on. And so are, are we grateful? Are we thankful for what God has taught us through his word and, and that example that's been set before us by those in the body, those in our home, who teach us what it means to have faith in Christ and, and what that looks like on a daily basis. It can be easy to, to take that for granted uh, speaking of ending my time at Cedarville, I, I remember that when I was in high school, of course, I was living with my parents, and a few years ago, I moved across the ocean to come to Cedarville, and I suddenly realized, wow, it, it is such a gift to be under the influence of, of parents who love the Lord and are, are teaching and, and passing that along. And so this, this passage is a, is a reminder to all of us of, of the important role that parents have in, in raising up their children. But it also teaches us not just of, of the important role of biological parents, but spiritual parents. Because we, we get a glimpse into the impact that, that Lois and Eunice have had on the life of Timothy. But think with me about Paul's relationship with Timothy Paul's not his biological father, but most likely Lois and Eunice entrusted Timothy to Paul to to teach him. In Acts 16, we we read that Timothy's father was a Greek, and and he's not mentioned here in in 2 Timothy. And so presumably, uh, Timothy's father was not a Christ follower. He was not active in, in passing along this faith. And so it seems like Lois and Eunice not only passed along this faith, taught the scriptures to Timothy themselves, but they also entrusted Timothy to Paul to to fill that void. And look at how this plays out a little bit in our passage. In verse 2, Paul addresses Timothy as my beloved child. As we keep reading where we picked up in verse 3, we see that he's constantly thinking of him and, and praying for him night and day. Paul writes that he longs to see him. He, he references Timothy's tears at an earlier time when they had seen each other. Verses 5 and 6, Paul, Paul uses the word remind. Verses 3 and 4, he, he talks about remembering. And these words indicate that Paul and Timothy have a long history together of, of experiences, of, of spiritual conversations. And Paul, is, as he's writing this letter, he's being reminded of those, and he's calling Timothy to remember those. 
Paul and Timothy were deeply invested in one another's lives. In verse 6, Paul references the laying on of the hands for Timothy. And most likely what this refers to is, is that Paul was involved with other people in commissioning Timothy to go and serve as Paul's apostolic delegate in Ephesus. And so they send Timothy out to Ephesus, and then here Paul is referencing that as Timothy is in Ephesus and trying to help the church and and clean things up. He's referencing that. All that to say, Paul has served God as his forefathers did. He passes that along to Timothy. Lois and Eunice inherited these scriptures and and taught Timothy to continue to have faith in these scriptures. And we receive this letter where Paul is, is about to die, and he's writing one last letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, passing on the baton. What you have received, remember that. Gratefully receive it and pass it along to those. And so whether we have biological children or not, whether we have biological parents here in the Maranatha family, all of us have a vital role in this family. We all need to receive this gospel message. I need spiritual mothers and fathers, and we all need to be involved in passing it along. And we see a glimpse of this a few verses after our passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Paul writes, to Timothy, that the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So let's just take a moment to, to break that down. Paul writes, the things that you have heard from me. So, so Paul has passed on teaching to Timothy in the presence of many witnesses. And then Paul is commanding Timothy entrust that to faithful people who will then be able to teach other faithful people. And the implication is that this keeps going on and on. And we know that it has in part because we're here today. Paul and other people wrote the New Testament scriptures that have been passed down for 2,000 years. And, And we have received this and we are involved in passing this along too. So we gratefully receive this gospel message, but we want to start thinking about are our lives centered around this gospel work, about, around receiving it and then passing it along? Because we can so often get distracted with good things like a job, school, our family, hobbies that we have, but we want to ask, is our central goal in life to, to grow as a disciple of Jesus and to help other people grow? Because then these, some of these things that I just mentioned become wonderful opportunities where we can actually do that. We can use the relationships, the spheres of influence that God has already given us to grow as a disciple and to help other people become a disciple. And, and so that's the question we want to ask ourselves. Are, are we using these opportunities, these places where God has placed us to grow as a disciple, to receive the gospel truth, and to pass it along?
are our lives centered around God's gospel work? Is this our focus as, as parents? And it's, it's really, in some ways, a simple task. And it reminds me of, of, a, of a game I, I used to play growing up. Um, every now and then I enjoyed playing the telephone game, mostly when my friends and I were together and we were waiting for something. We'd play this game, and, and if you don't know about the game, uh, it, it's pretty simple. Um, you have a group of people, one person starts, has a word or a message, whispers it to the next person, that person hears it and, and passes it along, and that keeps going until you get to the end of the line or around the circle, and then the last person has to say what the word was, and the goal is that the message is the same. And so, it's kind of a silly game, but it's, it's really simple in some ways. If, if you're playing that game, you really have two jobs. Your first job is hear the message correctly, and then your second job is pass along the message correctly. And if, uh, if you can do those two things, you will be a professional telephone game player. So we've been seeing in this passage how, how Paul is reminding Timothy of, of the message, the gospel message that he's received. And then as we transition to verses 8 through 14, we see Paul command Timothy to boldly pass along this message. Receive and pass along the message. And first of all, in, in verses 8 through 12, we, we see this command to do not be ashamed of the gospel message. Do not be ashamed of the gospel message. Now, maybe before we talk about being ashamed, we want to take a step back and, and just review what is this gospel message? Why is it so important? And if we would to look back at, at verse 1, Paul writes this letter and really bases his entire ministry on the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And in our passage, these verses that we're talking about right now in, in verse 10, we see Paul write that Jesus' first coming, where the Son of God became man and lived a perfect life, he died on the cross and rose again for our sins, he's ascended to the Father's heaven, all of this brought life and immortality to light. It revealed it. It showed what this life looks like. And so, do, do we, brothers and sisters, do we realize that this is actually a matter of life and death? God has created us for a certain life. He has created us with a purpose, and we are not going to be able to have that life apart from Jesus Christ. And no one else is going to experience that life apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus says that he's the only way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. No one can have life, which Jesus describes as, as knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. No one can have that apart from Jesus. This is really a, a matter of life and death. And we get to experience this life to some extent now as we grow to know and love God our Father in the context of a community of believers. But we also have the promise of a future life, experiencing the fullness 
of this life. And, and that's why Paul is writing this message. That's why he is involved in everything he does, this whole ministry. It's all about this promise of the life that is here in some sense and still to come. And so Paul has tasted and, and seen this kind of life, and it was worth it for him to suffer. It was worth it for him, him to be persecuted in order to pass along this life to others and to experience it himself. But also, think about it, Lois and Eunice, as, as they're entrusting Timothy to Paul's care, they're also saying yes, in a sense, to sacrifice and, and suffering. Timothy will no longer be able to be there and provide for them in the, in the same way. And they're sending Timothy off to partner with Paul and, and associate with a man who is in prison on his way to be killed. And so likely, if, if Timothy is going to join Paul in ministry, he is going to suffer also. And so in verse 8, we see that, that Paul writes to Timothy, do not be ashamed, but share in the suffering so that the gospel can go forth. Now, what do we do when something or someone is important to us? We're willing to make sacrifices. Now, as we read in this passage, there were many who were not willing to do that. If we were to read on in, in verse 15, Paul talks about how many people in Asia abandoned him. He mentions Phygelus and Hermogenes by name as those who abandoned Paul because of his suffering and persecution. And we something embarrassing. Uh, we may pretend they're not our friend and we don't know that person. Or uh, maybe if some of us are, are sports fans, but we're not really diehard sports fans and our team starts to lose, we kind of uh, pick a new team to follow. Because we, we don't have a natural tendency to associate, to be with those who are suffering or not doing well. So we have to ask, how important is this gospel work for us? Because later on in this letter, to Timothy, Paul will write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will experience persecution. So we need to ask ourselves, what are we willing to sacrifice? Do we actually think that, that this command to, to receive the gospel and to pass it on, is it, is it worth it? Probably for a lot of us, it's, it's not really going to involve immediate persecution as much as it may just be us having to ask, are we willing to be inconvenienced? Are we willing to have that awkward conversation or, or be in that awkward situation? And I think maybe one of the factors for a lot of us um, and, and something that can cause us shame or, or hinder us from boldly proclaiming the gospel is the fact that we've probably tried to be faithful to this in the past. We've shared the gospel, but it doesn't seem like it's really gone well. Maybe it's been ignored. Maybe it's been rejected. Maybe it doesn't really seem like it, it did anything, it bore much fruit. And that can be really discouraging. But we could take comfort in, in what Paul says. Because in verse 12, look with me at verse 12, Paul says he's not ashamed. 
The question is, well, why not, Paul? Why are you not ashamed? The one who is in prison, the one who's about to die for this, why is he not ashamed? And he says, I, I suffer, but I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I know that he will guard that which was entrusted to me until that day. So Paul's confidence is in God and that God will do the work. We read in verse 9 that, that there are those to whom God gave life in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Before the ages began. And, and now he's calling those people to himself. And, and so that helps us realize God is the one who has done this work. God is the one who is doing this work now. And so our confidence is not in the circumstances or the fruit that we maybe see or, or don't see, but it's in the God who is doing this work. And we have the, the opportunity to be a part of this, to simply share, pointing people back to the scriptures and allow God's spirit to work through that, to work through his word. And it reminds me a little bit of a, of a bat boy who all is going to the baseball game on Tuesday? Okay, a fair number of us. Um, I'm excited to go and, and watch the Bat Boy. Is anyone else going to be watching the Bat Boy with me? Yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I don't really pay attention to the Bat Boys. Probably most of us don't uh, because, well, I think being a Bat Boy would be a really fun summer job. You know, it'd be great. Um, but the reality is when you watch a baseball game, you're not there to watch the bat boy. Because the bat boy has an important role. You know, he goes and grabs the bats. He keeps everything organized in the dugout. Uh, but we're not really watching the bat boy because the bat boy doesn't really influence the outcome of the game. And that's maybe a little bit like what's going on here where we have the opportunity to gratefully receive the gospel message and to pass this along and we have an important role, in, and God commands us and allows us to take part, but he's the one who's doing the work. We can't control people's hearts and, and whether or not or how they respond to what we share. And so we're kind of like a bat boy in that way. So whether or not we are a mother investing in, in children or we're just investing and anyone else here at Maranatha, whether we're trying to share the gospel with a friend at work, our confidence is, is not in the present circumstances or, or the apparent lack of fruit or, or fruit, but it's in the fact that God will accomplish his work. It reminds me of Philippians 1 verse 6 where, where we read that God is, is faithful. If he has started the work in someone's life, he is faithful. He will complete that work when Jesus Christ returns the second time. And so our responsibility is to take part in that and to be involved in people's lives and, and to point them towards Jesus and allow the Spirit to do that work in their hearts and lives because God is going to accomplish the work that he set forth to accomplish. And we also see in, in uh, verse 12, Paul makes this clear he says, God will guard the gospel message. But there's also 
like we've been talking about, an invitation for you and I to t- take part in this guarding or this protecting. And so we see Paul guard, uh, command us to guard the integrity of the gospel message. Read verses 13 and 14 with me. Paul writes, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now back in Acts chapter 20, Paul is about to leave this church in Ephesus, and he issues a warning to them. He he writes, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Verse 32, he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so as Paul's about to leave the church in Ephesus, he gives this warning. And as he's writing to Timothy in Ephesus, he's reaffirming this warning to Timothy. There are those who will distort this faith. Don't let anyone change or dilute the gospel message. And notice with me in in verse 13, this gospel message doesn't involve words. It involves teaching. But in in the ESV, this, this is also translated, follow the pattern of the sound words. Or a few chapters later in in 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, Paul writes that, that Timothy followed his teaching, but also his way of life and his aim in life. And so, yes, the gospel message involves words. It involves passing along information. But we're not just passing along information. We're also teaching a way of life, the life that is in Christ, a life that understands the gospel message and submits to God and allows him to, to work through these truths and to, to infiltrate every area of our lives so that we grow to mature as, as healthy, as blossoming, as beautiful trees as, as Scripture so often describes us. This happens not only as we hear the words, but as the Spirit uses the words to shape our hearts and our lives align with the words, and we pass along too. Now, all of us are, are influencing people, and, and I've heard, you know, various numbers. One of the numbers I've heard is the average person has a significant influence on about 30 to 40 people. Um, some of us may be more, some of us may be less, but that is a significant number of people, probably more than most of us realize it. And, and the reality is we are involved in other people's lives. Here at Maranatha, work, school, sports, other hobbies, music, all of these are ways we're rubbing shoulders with people and, and we're passing along a way of life. And the question is, what are we passing along? How are we influencing people without you and we guard. When we value something, how, how do we guard it? Some of us might have a, a car that we value and maybe uh, we take up two parking spaces so that no other cars get near us. 
Uh, some of us might have a home and we have a sophisticated uh, security system. Uh, I was moving out of my apartment in Cedarville yesterday and there were definitely some things that I was moving and, and I wanted to be careful because I, I valued that. And so I wanted to pack it correctly, put it in my van correctly, make sure it, it didn't break or scratch. And then there were other things I, I really didn't care about. So, you know, the solution was just toss it in there wherever it fits, or better yet, just throw it in the trash can. I don't need that anymore. Uh, but the way we value or, or the extent to which we value something determines the way we guard it. And we've been entrusted with this gospel message to guard until the day Christ returns. And so, as such, we commit to knowing and loving this God. That is true life. That is what's offered. And so, are we doing that? Let's commit to love and to know the God who reveals himself through the scriptures so that we can spot and guard against lies. And even that's a, that's a good reminder that we have the word uh, because I mentioned the, the telephone game a little bit ago. And it seems like, at least in my experience, uh, when I've played that game, there's usually at least one person that, that thinks it's funny uh, to hear the, the message or the word and pass it along but totally change it, kind of throw everyone off. Those people are, are pretty annoying. They really mess up the game. But the reality is, uh, most of the time when I played, I, I was that person. Uh, so, you know, I thought it was funny. Um, I would hear something, kind of just change it, and then get to the end, and it's a completely different message, and, and people are, you know, trying to figure out what happened, where along the line did things go wrong, and so the first person shares what the original message was, and then it, it goes down, and it would kind of get to me, and it was pretty obvious I heard the right message, and passed along a very different message. But imagine we played that game, and instead of just whispering in each other's ears, the first person actually took a piece of paper and wrote down the message and passed that along. And not only would you hear it, but you could also look down and see, oh, did I hear correctly? And then you would pass it along and, and pass along the piece of paper. And it would kind of destroy the point of the game. Um, but that would be a little more similar to, to what's going on here. Uh, because something that's been kind of evident in this whole passage is that Lois and Eunice didn't just tell Timothy something and, and pass along this, this faith, but they were pointing him back to the scriptures, the writings. And so for us today, when, when we think about receiving, gratefully receiving the true gospel message and passing it along, we have it written down here in God's Word. We're constantly going back to God's Word ourselves, and when we pass this along, we're pointing people back to the Bible. That's why we value and, and cherish the Bible here at Maranatha. But the temptation for us is that as it becomes so common, the question is, do we remember why we're doing what we do? Do we remember why we emphasize God's word? And do we gratefully 
receive and, and cherish it. So mothers and, and fathers, as, as you teach your children these things, and, and all of us, as we are a part of a family where we are becoming a disciple ourselves and making other disciples, are we doing so with gratitude? Do we value and, and cherish God's word to the point that we are willing to sacrifice a lot to pass it on? Are we asking God's spirit to open our eyes to see the wonderful, the beautiful things that are in his word and to reveal to us the, the wonderful God who has written the word? That is why we do what we do. So as a church family, let's ask God that, that we would deeply value and, and cherish this message as, as we continue to, to hear it and as we continue to pass it on in the lives of, of those around us. Let's pray towards that end now. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us and and we do thank you uh, for your word, for your scriptures that we have received. Um, we thank you for the truth of the gospel message. Uh, Father, that you sent your son, Jesus, uh, to die and, and to rise again for us. I pray that we would all uh, come into a deeper understanding of, of what it means to enjoy and experience life knowing you, Father, and that we would um, seek to pass this along uh, to those around us. We ask your spirit to uh, shape our heart in these ways and, and to align our lives accordingly. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.